Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Subscribe to the Hit That Line podcast network. Y'all ready for this? This is the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by White Curd Realtors, the Griffin Company. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. He is a loathsome, offensive brute, yet I can't look away. This is the business we've chosen. I just want you to know, Chuck, I've been thinking about you. The night is darkest just before the dawn. Gimme the Hogs Chuck. I'm Batman. Before there was the Henry Heath, before there was that 2015 overtime thriller on that epic day in Oxford, Mississippi, there were seven overtimes on November 3rd, 2001. And as we begin the Gimme the Hawks Chuck podcast today, presented by Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, we're going to talk to the Razorback legend, Matt Jones. He, uh, of course, is remembered for so many things during his career at Arkansas. He's got a lot of history with the Ole Miss Rebels, from the seven-overtime game to the streaker game to the game where he dunked over the goalpost after he scored a touchdown. I don't know what it was with number nine in Ole Miss, but um, he had their number for starters and uh, some moments that I know we're all going to remember. Matt, first, it's great to talk to you. And I just wonder, over the course of your lifetime, how many times people have asked you about that seven-overtime game that day in Oxford? Chuck, always always good to be on here with you. Yeah, that uh, what a memory there. And is it Von Hemingway Stadium? Uh, Von Hemingway, yeah. I, I went to camp uh, at Ole Miss when I was a sophomore, junior in, in high school. And, and I, you know, they, they, they say things about having a chip on your shoulder or whatever. And we went down there and went to camp. And they're like, oh, no, we, we already have a quarterback. I didn't know it was Eli Manning at the time, you know. But they're like, no, we're not, we're not really looking at you. So you're like, well, why doesn't Ole Miss like me? You know, y'all aren't any good. You know, that's kind of how you're – how your mind goes when you're a, a, a junior in high school. But, man, that game, uh, you, you look at a lot of playmakers on the field all over the place. You know, the Hall of Famer, Eli Manning. Um, you you had uh, Jermaine Petty making one of the best tackles in uh, college Razorback history. Uh, man, a lot of, lot of memories there. I, that, that, that seven overtime game, Zach Clark started. Um, and, and then around halftime, Coach David Lee, because I'd, I'd ran the option, and, uh, you know, they, they were kind of doing the two-quarterback thing. You had Gerald Howard maybe running a little option, whatever. And then it, it ended up being my, myself. To, and, and you had Mark Pierce. You had DeCorey Birmingham. You know, to run the option, it's something that you kind of almost have to kind of know it and do it when you're a little younger. You can't just all of a sudden do it because uh, you have that mesh point. you got to have a soft pocket. There's, there's a couple things that go into it. And man, we went in there, and he said at halftime, he said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna look where that safety is, and we're just gonna audible and run away from him all all game in the second half because they haven't prepared for it." And that second half, that's all we did, and got we we were able to get it to overtime. And Maude Carroll made plays, Nathan Ball made plays, Cedric Cobbs made plays. That it was just one of those games where, and, and they made a lot of plays too. You know, you don't get fifty eight, fifty six without both teams making plays. And uh, I'll never forget talking to Coach John Thompson. 
after the season, and uh, they gave us like a commemorative uh, football, you know, just saying, hey, man, this was pretty epic. This is the longest game at the time in, uh, in college football history. And uh, I, I told him, I said, Coach, congratulations. That's pretty cool, huh? He goes, what the f- am I going to do with a football that says my defense gave up 56 points? That's just that's just how he was. Like, Coach, we got the dub though. But man, that was they, Chuck. That was just, that was a great great time. It's uh, and it's always good to win. You know what's interesting about that day, and I'd forgotten uh, before I went back and and did a certain amount of research, I guess, for this. It was seventeen seventeen mm-hmm. at the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. The defenses had performed reasonably well, but they were so tired. Mm-hmm. It seemed by the end. You had to know each time you got the ball that if you didn't screw it up, you were going to score a touchdown. We we definitely felt like that. Uh, one of the thing about a coach nut coach team was that, that you didn't say, man, they look like they got tired in the fourth quarter. Uh, we, we, we kept going. He had us in shape. I think coach did a great job at filling the locker room, filling the way the – uh, the team was going, and we definitely felt that. We felt like you give us the ball on the 25-yard line, we're going to score every time. Uh, you, I mean, just so much great talent on that field. Ken Hamlin, Tony Bua, Eddie Jackson, uh, Lawrence Richardson. Man, that was just uh, Kenny Stanlin. Golly, Chuck, yeah, that, was, uh, that was something else. A guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame as a tackle, Caught a big two-point conversion attempt as a tight end. Jason Peters, for some reason, that's the play that stands out to me because you had to have that to extend it into what I guess was the seventh overtime. And it seemed like the play was lost. Obviously, you've had a lot of great plays. What do you remember about that one? Man, Jason Peters, the, the one thing, and you're right, uh, what a talent, uh, Hall, of Fame, Hall of Fame tackle career uh, in, in the NFL. Jason Peters was a basketball player at heart, Chuck, and, and those basketball players, they have hands, they have eye-hand coordination, and uh, you, you see that with him, able to get open, able to use his body. I knew, I knew if I could get it into his big old, his big old mitts that he was going to catch it. And and man, did he! He he made some plays. And Coach Lee called called call down on the phone. He said uh, we were, we were running one of those two point conversions, probably our last one we got. I, I want to say DeCorey caught it. And um, he he said, "All right, now here's here's what I want you to do." And he's telling me on the phone to go tell these guys a play we've never ran before. And so I walk over there and tell you know DeCorey, "Hey, this is what you're going to do, Peters. This is what you're going to do." And this is and then and then the offensive line we're just running it like we're running our midline or our K four. And uh, sure enough, it worked. Uh, you talk, talk about running the option. Coach, Coach Lee knew what he was doing. Was that one of those games by the end? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the modern way of drawing it up in the dirt, basically, is what you're talking about there. Oh, absolutely. Just, just went over there on, on the things that, hey, so you're going to get him and you're going to get him and this, this is going to work. And uh, you talk about freshmen making plays. DeCorey Birmingham made a play plays in that game, and he continued to make plays. Mark Pierce, the same thing. Sean Andrews, Jeb Huckaba. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of freshmen, a lot of seniors as well. Uh, but there was a lot of young pups that were making plays, and I, I, I think you're right, Chuck. I think that that might be some of why the rules did change uh, when it goes to college overtime, because uh, you play a hard game, you play a long four quarter game. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, it becomes a war of attrition, and, and you get injuries. Or, or, or later on, uh, you know, the next week that Coach Nutt told us, he said, he said, whenever you play a four overtime game, a five overtime game, a lot of times you lose the next week because you're so tired and you don't know how to go. And and I think we went off and, and won three or four in a row. 
You know, it was interesting going into that game. Arkansas was four and three. Uh, Houston Nutt was in his fourth year. Ole Miss was six and one. And David Cutcliffe was in his third year. You remember probably better than the rest of us. I mean, there was a lot of pressure to win that game. That was a must-needed victory for the Razorbacks. Chuck, it's a little bit like this time. Uh, just, just talk as far as this season. We we made some changes. Uh, we made some changes at some certain personnel. Uh, moved some players around, and and you kind of seeing that with the offensive line uh, going into this week, which I th- I think it's going to benefit them uh, getting these linemen back to their natural positions. But yeah, coach, there there was a little heat there. I think we 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 started off like one and three or. Uh, didn't didn't really start off too good. It, it, losses at tennis or to Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, you had the nine eleven game, so we missed a game. We had to make it up with Weber State. That was the nine eleven year. Uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely intense. And you know, coach, it, it was a little bit before. Now you had the, your message boards and you had the interweb, all that stuff. But you didn't have the the actual, you didn't have the iPhone in your hand. Uh, where it was continual, and and Coach Nutt did a great job of of kind of shielding the locker room and and making it us against the world, and and kind of uh, blotting out that that outside noise. All right, the game's over. You've played basically four and a half hours. I don't recall, and so I'm going to ask you: Did you talk to Eli? Was there on the field conversation? Was everyone just exhausted? What what played out when it was over? Man, it was uh, an excited locker room jubilation. Uh, I think that the, it was a shame. I, I know that was one of the things Coach said. It was a shame one of the teams had to lose. Um, it was just, man, you're you're a warrior. You're 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 a playmaker, man. Good luck. It's it's all the the football one oh ones. There there was you know it's kind of how it is at the end of the game. It's like man, heck of a competitor. Uh, good luck going forward. Uh, enjoyed it, you know, all, all those type of things. But you're, you know, you you got class on Monday. You know, it's 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 already late. It's you, you're not getting home till three, four o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was one of those games. But it's it's one of those games that, that that you asked me earlier, Chuck. That that when people come up and and they talk about that game and tell you their memory or or the moment in time, it, it's something you cherish uh, until the end of time because everybody has a specific moment and they know where they were during that game and, and, and what it meant to him. And, it, and it's pretty cool uh, to hear all the fans and, and, and hear them talk about that. Yeah, I'm in them halls with mustard, Chuck. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by White Curd Realtors, the Griffin Company. Visiting with Razorback great Matt Jones on the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. Going to pause just for a second. I want to talk to those of you who are buying or selling a home. You've heard me talk about my experience with Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. It began as a first-time buyer. And it continued as a first-time seller, and then a buyer again, and then a seller again. And what I found in all of my interactions with Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, 
was that I was dealing with a trained professional. Someone who, number one, got the best training in the business. Someone who understood the market. And someone who listened to me. Someone who understood my needs, what I was looking for, what I needed to get out of it. And by the time we got to the table, so to speak, they understood what I was after probably better than I did, if you want to get right down to it. What they do best is get you from contract to close. And no matter which side of the table you're sitting on, that's where you want to be. You either want to get into the home of your dreams or you want to get that house sold so you can get on with your move. They can accommodate you at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. That was my experience, and I'm quite certain it'll be your experience as well. And they've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale, Bentonville, Fort Smith, servicing Missouri and North Arkansas now out of their office in Branson. And you can always log on to WeikerGriffin.com. All right, I want to continue our conversation with Razorback legend Matt Jones. No longer about the seventh heaven game, but about just your history with Ole Miss. I, I talked about it at the, at the top of the podcast, and we're not even into the streaker game yet. We're not into the dunk over the goalpost game yet, but I'm going to go to the streaker game. You know, I, I had, I was there. I watched it all. The state trooper that tackled him, Bill Carver, good friend. Um, it was one of those moments, again, you won't ever forget. And then, lo and behold, fast forward like 20 years, and you're on the air with Phil one day on halftime, and you just casually mention that, oh, yeah, I knew that guy. I kind of had an idea it was going to happen. Go through the backstory again on knowing, or at least having an idea, that that streaker might do what he did that day at Razorback Stadium. Yeah, that was uh, that was wild, huh, Chuck? That was that was pretty crazy. Uh, you, you know, you when you're playing a guy like Eli Manning, you you know you got to focus up. Uh, you, you know you know you got to pay attention to detail. Uh, yeah, the streaker. That summer, uh, I, I don't know if I was on Lake Ten Killer or if I was in Hot Springs, but you know, you kind of bouncing around in the summer like you do, hanging out with your boys, and uh, the 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 kid was kind of friends with some people that you're all kind of you know mingling, you're you're you're, you're friends, whatever. And he's like, "Man, I'm gonna streak during that game," and it were just kind of like, "Okay, you know, like what whatever, dude." And uh, sure enough, uh, sure enough, that dude was out there and and and. Uh, what he have on a hog nose only, and yeah, and went out there and Bo Lacey was sitting there. We we're sitting there in the huddle, and and before he gets too close, Bo says something to me, and uh, it's a good thing he kind of turned around and went away from the huddle because Bo said he was he was two seconds away from grabbing him his, himself, you know. It's it's friendly fire, so you're not going to go tackle one of your own, but sometimes you don't know. We getting getting so close to the huddle, uh, you you don't know. But yeah, that. That was pretty cool uh, to see that, and and that was a game that I I've, I'd never seen anything else happen like this before, Chuck. Where we kick the ball off, and Tom Crowder actually runs down and is the first one to touch the ball and scores a touchdown on their own kickoff, and that that game got away from from Ole Miss a little bit. Uh, they they got us back my junior year, but that that sophomore year uh, that we 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 got some turnovers and kind of. Had had the ball bounce our way uh, a little bit early and kind of ran away and hid during that game. Two and one as a Razorback against Eli Manning. Yes, sir. And and, and as you reminded me, you beat him as a pro too. Um, Arkansas and Ole Miss is one of those series that um, I don't know if it necessarily qualifies 
as a rivalry in everybody's mind, unless, of course, you live along the eastern border of our state. But it's been a great series. And I can remember when Coach Nutt was here, he talked about how you always had to beat the Mississippi schools. Mm-hmm. You correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I think you were 7-1 and one against the Mississippi yes, schools. Sir. Is that right? Yes, sir. Talk a little bit about that and, and how that importance was drilled into you. Yeah, and, and so one of the things that, that was really important, Chuck, that I think is you're recruiting the same player uh, when, when you're looking at Mississippi, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Uh, those those schools are kind of all going for the same type of player, and, and so it is important. And, and, and when you're a sophomore or junior in high school, uh, you, you do see – uh, we're, we're some of the skill players, we're some of the position players, some of the guys that are kind of uh, on your level where they're going. Uh, and, and now even today with seven on seven, but I think that was the, the main thing is those, those are, uh, the, y- y'all are all kind of picked in the bunch. When you look at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they're all always kind of picked right there. You don't know if one of them's going to finish third or one of them's going to finish fifth. And it's real important. If, you, if you're at the University of Arkansas and you want to win eight games a year, man, it's simple. You win your home games, you win your non-conference games, and you beat the schools with the letter M on it. And, and then you try to win some other games here and there, and, and you can win eight games a year. What do you see in this one this season? I, I see a, an Ole Miss team who knows exactly who they are on offense. Uh, they're they're going to get the ball to Junkins. Uh, they're going to try to get him 30 touches. They're going to let Dart be an athlete. Uh, they're going to quick game you with Dart and, and those receivers, and then they're going to play action over the top and then let him run around. Uh, and then as, as an Arkansas team, I think it's uh, the adverse. I, I think we know who we are on defense, and we, we don't know who we are on offense yet. We really don't have an identity uh, I, I hope this this change in the offensive line kind of kind of helps that, and I really feel like uh, if if you can get Rocket healthy, I, I really think that can be what this offense has been missing. Uh, Rocket Rocket's a lot like Jun- Junkins, where Rocket needs to touch the ball twenty times a game, and it doesn't mean it has to be all twenty rushes, but but he has to he needs twenty touches if it's in the passing game or however you want to get him the ball, be creative in the screen game. Uh, but but you got to give you got to get Rocket, and we just talked about this, Chuck. With they wear down a little bit. Rocket Rocket's one of those guys that he he keeps going and he gets stronger as the game goes on. Starts breaking those arm tackles, uh, and, and can make for a long evening. So I, I think it's two teams that Arkansas is still trying to find themselves, and and I think Ole Miss knows exactly who they are. From a Razorback perspective, KJ Jefferson. There's been obviously talk about you know him playing in his backyard, Sardis, all that sort of stuff. I wonder about him, though, with these changes up front. Um, from a quarterback's perspective, what might that or might not it mean in terms of K.J.'s performance in this one? Well, Chuck, we my four years here, I had three different centers, uh, Kenny Sandlin, uh, Dan Doty, and Kyle Roper. Uh, the and, and Tyler Morgan was a little bit in there. But the thing we never did, Chuck, is we never changed centers in the middle of the season. We, you, you might change other spots, and the offensive line's always changing, it seems like, from year to year. Uh, the, the most important thing is getting that snap uh, and, and protecting the ball. I do think with the the, the offensive line, they, they have to communicate. They communicate more than you think. You know, you, you, we can't hear it uh, on, on film or watching it or if you're there, but they're touching each other on the butt, touching each other on the leg. They're saying combo here. They're saying watch. I mean, they're talking the whole time. And so it's important to know 
what your steps are. It's like a dance, man. The offensive line, when you see one of them, you usually see all five of them. They're, they're like a herd of cattle in there. So, so it's very important for offensive linemen to communicate and get reps. Uh, but KJ's a leader. KJ's seen a lot of it. Uh, I, I think he will be... He he will be very helpful uh, in the huddle, and then as a as a team, you maybe maybe it might be good to simplify it a little bit, get you three or four runs that you really feel confident in, uh, where where they're not thinking and they're just out there playing because. Uh, this is something I learned when I was a young age. My dad told me in, uh, in seventh grade, when you're an offensive lineman, all you have to do is get a tie. You know, you, you don't have to whoop your man every time. You got to get a tie because there's no way that, that, that these defensive guys are going to arm tackle these running backs. So if you get a tie, that running back can get up to the second level. And, and hopefully Rocket's okay because, Chuck, he's one of the best at having that cut and then getting to the second level quick. Matt, before I let you go, I'm not going to ask you if you could still dunk like you did in that one game against Ole Miss, but could you get the ball to the goalpost? Could you get it to the crossbar? Oh, think? oh, Chuck, if, if we had to do it, there's no question I could still dunk. It's, uh, could you really? Oh, absolutely. I, I dunked. It was about a year and a half ago. I was I was hooping a little bit, and uh, you got to warm me up. You got to warm me up now and Stretch. get going. Yeah, yeah, yeah still, still kind of get it a little bit. Uh, but no, those, uh, it's a young man's game, Chuck. It's a young man's game. Hey, you made it look easy. Matt, thanks so much. I always enjoy talking to you. Yes, sir. Thanks, Chuck. Man, that was good stuff. I mean, uh, Matt Jones is a Razorback legend for a lot of reasons. Certainly his play on the field is a big part of it. But there's some pretty good stories. As we just heard, uh, behind the scenes on some of these uh, some of these great moments that he's had, and he has had an awful lot of them against the Ole Miss Rebels. All right, we got a game coming up though, six thirty, Vaught Hemingway Stadium. It's a big one for the Razorbacks. It goes without saying that Arkansas needs to get back on the winning track. It was not good last Saturday, and I'm not breaking any news when I say that. 174 yards of total offense. Changes came early in the week. This was Sam Pittman talking about it on the SEC teleconference Wednesday. Obviously, there's a lot of different reasons to shuffle your line. One is to get attention, get the attention of your guys that are playing. One of them is changing up that would hopefully help you perform better. I like where we're at after day two. We have some things to clean up, but I do like the moves that we've made. I like them. We're a work of progress, but I think we can get there by Saturday and what we want to get accomplished. I mean, I wouldn't have moved him in there if I didn't think he could do it. So I'm comfortable with how he's looked in practice. Obviously, Bo still has that opportunity to play there as well, but he was excited to move in there. I think he, he wants to be the center, which obviously makes it a big deal, but I'm comfortable with his first two practice days. I thought it went well on Monday and we had a little bit more noise. That takes a little bit to get used to because it's just different. When you clap and have noise, it's different than if you say set hut. And so uh, those things are just something he's got to get used to and, and he's working awful hard at it. Now obviously we're talking about the offensive line there and during the second part, he was talking about Patrick Kudis moving from right tackle over to center. And when things aren't going well, you make changes. It's as simple as that. When you lose three in a row, as he said early in the week, on Monday, I believe it was, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping you're going to get better. 
So this is the way they're going to start out, apparently, in the ballgame. From left to right, if Manuel can go, he's going to be a left tackle. Moving Limmer to right guard necessitates moving Braun to left guard. Kudis is the center. Then you've got Lemmer, and then you've got Brady Latham moving from a left guard to a right tackle. So it sounds like that's the way they're going to go to begin the ball game. Doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. And you hope that Manuel will be able to give him what he's given him the last couple of games in that spot. So you'll have to see how it all plays out, but that's the way that they're going to start uh, in, this, uh, in this ball game. Now, it's been good to hear from Matt Jones and Sam Pittman right there as well, but I know a lot of you are getting ready for the weekend and you're looking at the Bet Saracen app because there's a lot of big games over the course of this weekend, not just the Razorback game, but other SEC games, other games in college football as well. And if you're going to be ready for the weekend, you got to download the Bet Saracen app. If you've not done so, you need to do so today. By the way, Ole Miss right now, according to the Bet Saracen app, minus 11 and a half in that game. But there's some other good ones. There's some other good games in the SEC. Alabama's going to Texas A&M. That's a 2:30 game on CBS. Alabama's a one and a half point favorite, according to the Bet Saracen app. I guess that's the game of the day, at least on paper, in the Southeastern Conference. LSU's playing up at Mizzou. That one starts early tomorrow. That's the 11 o'clock game on ESPN. Mizzou's five and zero. LSU three and two. Yet LSU a five and a half point favorite. Uh, that's uh, that's a good one. You find that one, details about that one at the Bet Saracen app. The thing they do is make it fun. It is Vegas, Arkansas style. You've got an opportunity to parlay. You've got an opportunity to place wagers on former Razorbacks. Or you've just got a chance to wager on the game that you're watching. It's all at the Bet Saracen app. They've got a how-to-play video. Uh, they'll get you ready to rock and roll. It's going to be a great weekend of football. It's one of those days if you're a Razorback fan and you're not going to Oxford, Man, you can get tuned in to game day tomorrow morning. You've got an 11 o'clock kickoff with a a good, solid SEC game to watch, and there will be others too. You've got Alabama and Texas A&M at 2.30. Then you can settle in for the Razorbacks and Ole Miss at uh, 6.30. So ought to be a great day. Hope the Razorbacks can get off the schneid and get a victory. We'll be around to talk about it on Monday. Again, thanks to Matt Jones for being with us. Hope you have a great Saturday. Until Monday, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast. Go to hitthatline.com or search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and share. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit